Hi everyone, and welcome to Remaking Tomorrow, a series of conversations about the future of teaching and learning. I'm Ryan Radzeski, here with Greg Baer, and we're the co-authors of When You Wonder, You're Learning, Mr. Rogers' Enduring Lessons for Raising Creative, Curious, Caring Kids. This is a podcast powered by Remake Learning, a network that ignites engaging, relevant, and equitable learning in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. On today's episode, we're talking with Michelle Kang, CEO of the National Association for the Education of Young Children. NACI, as it's better known, advances a diverse, dynamic, early childhood profession, supporting more than 60,000 individual members who care for, educate, and work on behalf of young children. Michelle Kang, welcome to Remaking Tomorrow. Thank you, Greg and Ryan. It's great to be with you. What an honor to have you here with us, Michelle. We know from science that the first few years of life are perhaps the most critical when it comes to healthy child development. And there is so much to celebrate about early learning educators and administrators across this country. And it's also true that as the early childhood profession comes up in the news, the word that's often paired with it is crisis. So why is that? What are the most pressing problems facing this field today? Early childhood education, unfortunately, in this country has been fundamentally in a crisis and happened long before the pandemic. I want to offer that in some ways um, what the pandemic did was to shine the light on a field that has for years been under-resourced and under-supported and not seen and valued and respected for the work that they did. But for a moment, everyone stopped and realized that the work that is being done in caring for young children in family childcare homes and Head Start programs, nothing short of transformational and miraculous. And for a moment, early childhood educators were called essential and needed. Early childhood educators have known that this is transformational work. Um, I like to refer to them as brain architects because of what they're doing. The system that we have right now is nothing short of just a system failure. Parents can't pay anymore for the cost of early childhood education. Early childhood educators, which is predominantly a workforce made of black and brown women, cannot be paid any less. And what has happened is, is that we have made it very difficult for there to be an adequate supply of affordable, accessible early childhood education for families who need the care, need it so desperately so that they can participate in school, in the workforce, being part of their communities in the ways that they all want to be, but often cannot be because there is such a shortage of supply. So I am grateful that I'm here on behalf of our 60,000 members, but even broader than that, the field who does this work, who every day brings their heart and soul to caring for young children, supporting the development of these young minds and supporting families so that we can see a future that these young children can grow and develop into amazing young people and the future leaders of this country. Michelle, I want to focus for just a moment on the folks who are doing, as you said, this essential, just critically important work. Because some of the facts, some of the statistics when you dig into it are really kind of astonishing. One in three early childhood educators lives with food insecurity themselves. About half of early childhood educators have to rely on public benefits. You were talking about this in an interview with Ed Surge, and you said something that's really stuck with us. You said, we have made it nearly impossible for most folks who are passionate about early education to be in this field. And I'm wondering, can you say more about that? And specifically, can you talk about what are the policy level changes that might ease the burden on the folks who are doing this work that we know matters so much? 
To cut right to the chase, <laughs> the early care and education system in the United States is fundamentally broken. Our government spends about $500 per child annually compared to some peer countries, which spend closer to $14,000. And truly, if we want to see the kind of support for the system, for educators to be compensated and supported, for families to be able to afford the care, we need a significant, substantial federal investment supporting early care and education in the same way that we see K-12 education supported in this country. It is amazing when you think about how right now, in most places, kindergarten is the first place that families can access education publicly. And that's not when brain development starts. It is way before then. And so if we think about the investment of what happens and how those children are showing up in kindergarten, some having had the benefit of early childhood education, others not, but all fundamentally right now on a system that doesn't allow for people to have a sustainable life in most cases. We have to ask ourselves about how we value what that time is for young children and how we have made it so difficult for families to have to make some of these choices and for educators to make these choices because, you know, I think about the educator who has been doing this work for a decade who shared with me that she loves this work. She sees the value of it, but she doesn't see how she can continue to do the work and then support her family. We should not place those choices in front of educators. We as a country need to decide and have a reckoning about where we see the value of early childhood education. And not to say there hasn't been movement, but it is something that we want to see more of when we think about what we want for our children and what we want for our families and frankly, what we want for workers. Michelle, you lead NACI, the National Association for the Education of Young Children. Can you tell us a bit more about how NACI is advocating for the changes that you want to realize for the profession and for the field of early learning? As you look to years from now, years ahead, what is it that NACI is working to achieve? Our mission at NACI is centered around every child having access to affordable, high-quality, developmentally appropriate early childhood education in the setting that works best for their families, and that that care is delivered by early childhood educators who are respected, valued, and compensated for the critical role they play. Our role as NACI is to believe and work tirelessly to support early childhood educators as professionals. And we do this through our foundational position statements to define quality, which is then seen in practice through our publications, our professional development, our early learning program accreditation, higher education accreditation, and our convenings. But more than anything, we are focused as an organization that is nearly 100 years old on being a place of belonging and support for those who share our mission. And as the daughter of Korean immigrants, this sense of belonging is deeply personal to me as we work on behalf of children, families, and educators. I see NACI as continuing to champion and center the experiences of educators in the conversations that are happening about who this workforce is and what we do and the contributions of what is happening in programs in all the settings that I've named. So I am excited about the work that my team at NACI is doing in partnership with the leaders of our affiliates across the country. We have 51 dynamic and vibrant affiliates who are each working in their communities to create that sense of belonging and to create a place where we are centering quality in discussions, we are centering the value of educators, that we are working tirelessly to see that the field is recognized as a profession, supported as a profession, they are compensated as a profession, and that their work is not pushed to the side. 
Michelle, thank you for that. And I, I just want to clarify one thing before we move on, because when we hear about childcare in the media, we often hear two things at once and they sort of contradict one another. So we hear about the low pay for which the early childhood profession is known. And yet at the same time, we hear about the skyrocketing costs of childcare for families, which, you know, in some instances can rival or even exceed the cost of college tuition. So Michelle, can you help our listeners understand that disconnect? Like, how is it that a field that pays its professionals so little, how can that cost families and consumers so much? It's a broken model and it has then created the current conditions of what you just shared. Salaries of childcare workers fall in the second percentile when ranked against other professions nationally, earning on average about $13 an hour. In some cases, depending on the community, less than that. It's not uncommon, as you mentioned, that early childhood educators depend on public assistance. Many of them, unfortunately, often don't have workplace benefits such as paid time off and health insurance. At NACI, we are very proud that we have an accreditation program of early learning programs, which aligns to 10 standards of quality. And in those standards, we talk about ratios in the adult to child interactions and care. It's impossible to be able to charge the amount of tuition that truly covers the cost of care when you consider the ratios that are happening in the programs, ratios that we know are good and appropriate for young children. As a result, you have these low ratios in certain ages, like in infants or in toddlers. Frankly, if you think about caring for infants, even when you think about one-to-one -one care with a parent and a child, it's hard enough, but then you put in a classroom that you have three or four infants with a, <laughs> with a, a caregiver. You can imagine that that's tough, but you can't charge enough tuition to be able to truly cover the cost of care for infants because it's quite expensive. It, creates an untenable situation where providers are struggling because they want to be able to provide the care, but they know that their families can't afford more and they can't pay any less for the teachers who have already, in many cases, barely making enough to be able to get by. Quality, quality, quality matters. And Michelle, I'm a beneficiary of a NACI accredited early learning center for my kids, so thank you. This is Greg Bear along with Ryan Rudzeski. We're talking with Michelle Kang, CEO of the National Association for the Education of Young Children, also known as NACI. Michelle, you mentioned just a few moments ago your own experience growing up as the oldest child of Korean immigrants. And you've talked before about how that set you on the path to the work you're doing now. Can you tell us more about that? How did you get from there to here? My parents arrived in the United States a little over 50 years ago. My father came with 200 US dollars and one suitcase of belongings. My mother followed a few years afterwards, and they came like so many immigrants chasing the American dream, but in particular because they wanted to provide opportunities for their family. I am the oldest of three. I have a sister and brother, and we ended up, after a few early moves, settling in a then rural county in Virginia called Stafford County, where my sister and I and my brother were among very few Asians that were represented in our schooling and our education and in our community. There weren't many others who looked like me, who were sharing experiences like me, and there were many times where I felt very acutely that I didn't belong, that my experience of growing up as a Korean American and trying to understand how to fit in 
made me feel very much like I was the other. And of course, along the way, I had wonderful educators and experiences with people in the community where they welcomed us and they welcomed my parents. But I'm also acutely aware of how long it felt for me individually before I felt like I could even lean into my identity. For me at a young age, I didn't see people in successful roles who were Asian and how it conveyed for me this message that you couldn't be there and you couldn't necessarily rise to those roles. So I take very humbly and seriously the place that I sit as an opportunity to be able to elevate and show others that the table exists where your voice is important and that we have to intentionally invite different voices and different lived experiences to come to the table and to share their perspectives and to help us understand and inform that for the discussions that we have and for early childhood education that that is so important when you're thinking about policies and programs and the way that we are structured with the regulations being so fragmented and different in different states and different localities. Are we being intentional to make sure that we're inviting different voices to share what it's like? That's where the richness comes about and that's where we are all richer for it when we hear what it feels like to be the parent of a special needs child, what it feels like to be a teacher who is balancing caring for their own children while also caring for children of others, what it feels like to be a single parent and wanting to get a degree so you can grow in your profession and become a lead teacher. All of those things we have to learn from those in those voices and stories. And so I'm passionate about this. It's one of the reasons why I established a role early on at NACI that focuses on bringing those stories to light and making sure that we are centering those stories in all the work that we do. Michelle, we want to take a left, maybe a right hand turn to a different type of story. You've shared how high quality early learning is clearly critical for individual kids and families. Let's talk about the macro level. Can you tell us a bit about childcare's importance to our economy, to the workforce, and to women across this country? I'm going to start with a quote from a video we just shared at NAC. Early child educators are the workforce behind the workforce. Hmm. Working parents need access to quality care to be able to participate in the workforce or in school. If they don't have those care options, then they cannot participate. And then we lose the opportunity to benefit from the great thinking in mind, the creativity, the curiosity that happens when people are bringing forward those talents. That's the tragedy of the moment that we're in right now. I talked with a, someone who's in healthcare right now, and she shared with me that in her family medicine practice, they have to say no to caring for more patients because they simply don't have enough nurses and enough people in their office to be able to help provide care and, and administrative support for those who want to access healthcare. That struck me as an impact of, oh wow, you can't actually care for a patient because they said that childcare has become such a significant challenge that people are opting out. They are not willing to leave their child in an unsafe environment. So I think about this, I know both of you are fellow parents, and we think about, okay, what does it mean to have care for us? I was really fortunate to have the benefit of high quality, NACI accredited care for my children. I would not have been able to come back to work as a working mother had I not had that care. It matters for the workforce and it matters for economy, but it also matters, I'm gonna say, in particular for women. 
most parents don't have that either because it isn't available, they're in a childcare desert, because there is a long wait list and the soonest they'll get off the wait list is years from now, or there is a program that has empty classrooms because they can't hire enough childcare teachers to be in the, in the program. This is a circumstance that we have to address and we know that there are conversations where employers are even rising to the occasion in, in Maine. They came together and the businesses were the ones who said, you state of Maine need to help us support our work, so please support the wage subsidies in order for childcare workers to be able to do this work. There are more pockets of those kinds of conversations happening and more examples. And I'd be interested in your own reflections as working fathers of the impact of how childcare has helped you. <laughs> well, I mean, I can just say immensely, even as someone who is uh, recovering from a, a bug that was likely brought home <laughs> from childcare, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to do this work without childcare either. Uh, and the same goes for my wife and for all the fellow parents that I know. It's just, it's such a critical issue. And we've seen again and again, especially like you mentioned over the past two years, the ripple effects of what happens when we don't adequately fund, we don't adequately staff, we don't adequately support the child care centers that are doing such important work. And this actually leads me to my next question, Michelle, because uh, I'm going to quote you again. This is from something you've written. You said, this issue affects all of us, parents and non-parents, employers, educators, and businesses, as well as our nation's economy, and we can all be part of the solution. So how so? You know, what are some of the ways our listeners can get involved in the effort for equitable, affordable, available child care? Sometimes it seems that as the CEO of the National Association for the Education of Young Children that we're speaking primarily to educators and educators being lifted up and their stories being shared. But this issue does impact all of us, whether you're a parent or not. And I would encourage anyone who is listening, anyone who I meet, frankly, in, in my travels, to see that childcare and the lack of it and the lack of support of it impacts each of us in our worlds in some way, shape or form. There is someone who has that brilliant mindset, like let's say it's in research and we're thinking about how additional ways that we can address how we treat cancer. And there is a talented researcher out there who is a new parent who wants to continue to advance supporting the research and the ideas, but that person can't actually spend any time thinking about it because they don't have access to high quality learning, then that person can't engage and provide those great ideas and that innovation and research to help benefit the advancement of cancer research. And that's a very small particular example, but we could play that example out across any industry, across any area, because it is relevant for those of us who are thinking about then that team member who can't participate. So maybe you don't have a child or maybe childcare isn't as impactful for you in your day to day, but it impacts your organization, impacts your team and the ability to be able to do the work. Whether you're a parent or not, childcare impacts each one of our spaces. And I would encourage every single person to become an advocate, to share how childcare impacts their world, whether they're a parent or not. And we need more people who are non-parents, who are not educators, to be able to speak up and share their voice. So certainly we need the parents too. So let me be clear. If you're a parent and you're listening to this, we need your voice. If your <laughs> children are older, we still need your voice. If 
you are well past the child age or you have you have children in your life in a different way we need the collective voices and impact of people to be able to convey that this is important and it matters for society and it matters for young children it matters for families we are all part of this broader fabric of a community of belonging that sees and understands the value of the work that is being done and that is all working together to advance care for young children in the ways that we know that they need and that ultimately I believe that we all want. Michelle, how can people find out more about the work you're doing? We have a great website with lots of information and resources. It's www naeuic.org. Um, encourage people to follow us on social media. We have active accounts on LinkedIn and Instagram, Facebook, and we love when people become members because then you are connected to us and connected to our affiliates, receiving resources. And I would encourage people who are listening that if you are not necessarily an early childhood educator, but you still want to be connected to our work, please join us. We are working right now to transform our membership and to look at different ways that we can better support those who are in our community as we think intentionally about what it means to be a community of belonging. I have a talented team that is working on how we can make sure that we are supporting the educators doing the work and connecting to us, but also that our community can continue to be a vibrant place of resources. And we would love people to connect with us and follow us. I love hearing from our members. I love hearing from the field. And I look forward to more opportunities to connect directly with folks who are doing this work or connected to the work so that we can collectively lift up what we know that this field is. Before we go, Michelle, we have just one more question, please. What's one thing that parents and educators can do today to make tomorrow a more promising place for every learner? I believe that every person has a voice. And if there is one thing I could ask anyone who is listening to do today, it is to one, thank your early childhood educator if you are connected to one or those who are, who are doing the work, but then to actively get involved, to advocate on behalf of the work that is being done, that the early years are worthy of our support, our investment, and that we collectively can lift up the value of the work and help early childhood educators be seen for what they do on behalf of young children every day. Thanks again to Michelle Kang, CEO of the National Association for the Education of Young Children, or NACIC. Remaking Tomorrow is powered by Remake Learning. Learn more at remakelearning.org.